Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Making More Money for You show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Uh, we are on Voice America. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. I have a great uh, and a different show for you today. Uh, today is going to be more or less, it's it's going to be about investing. Don't get me wrong, but we're going to go from a structured lifestyle back into a non-structured lifestyle. And for me to do that, I have a very special guest um, who's actually lived this and has gone through it, which is Eric Smolinski. Did I say hey. your last name, Eric? Yeah, no, you you crushed it. It's nice and phonetic, so it didn't intimidate you. Unlike the counting down got me, you nailed it. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for being on the show and taking some time out of your day to help uh, out the my uh, listeners here. Of course. I, I really enjoy this aspect of the community because I think that's one of the coolest things about this space is you know, you can share different things that work for you and other people can kind of connect the dots, figure out what works for them, pull it all together and and hopefully get, you know, a, a good result. So super stoked to be here and thank you for doing what you do. I think this is actually like a legitimate service to the community. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, very much kind words. Uh, what I want to do is I want to give a little preface of what we're actually going to do here is this show is actually going to go out to the military men and women out there that you know give our you know keep us safe and and uh honestly do they have a very hard job especially in these times and i know you've you're ex-military you're an ex-marine uh and what my main focus about this show is is actually coming back into civilian life and how you actually transform that mental thinking and come back to the the world that you know has changed so so dramatically since you walked left walked into the, uh, the armed services. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting conversation. And I also think, you know, for your audience and whatnot, um, there's a lot of really interesting behaviors and thought patterns that we develop in the military that actually translates just beautifully into investing in trading. Um, so I think it'd be, you know, I'm sure we'll hit on some of those as we move along. So yeah, that, that sounds like a really fun, fun topic to me. Oh, excellent. Excellent, Eric. I'm glad I'm glad we can actually do this for everybody out there, because I know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people are either entering the military or leaving the military on a daily basis. You know, it depends on the orders and, you know, their their uh, their length of service and whatnot. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you actually uh, decided to go to choose the military and what, what you've experienced from there? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm originally from New York. I live in San Diego now. I grew up in a neighborhood that really wasn't super great. We had two and a half times the national crime rate for violent crimes. Um, started from a single parent household. She was working two jobs. You know, my mom, the, the bedrock of the family for my brother and I. So it's just like, I bring that up because I feel like so many people have a similar permutation of that. And the way that I think about it is I don't consider it like a disadvantaged background because I'm still born in the US, very thankful for that. But I also don't correlate that to an advantaged background because there's a lot of gaps that I noticed over time that I had. So for example, 
I wasn't going to go to college. We didn't have the money for it. I wasn't going to take out uh, tons and tons of money because I didn't even, I knew nothing about it. My mom got an associate's degree for occupational therapy, which she did forever, essentially. Um, but, you know, I didn't have kind of that strategic thought partner to say, here are the pros and cons, the trade-offs for getting this degree versus that degree. This is what you use this degree for. Um, you know, all of that information was still in its infancy, although we were all getting pushed to go to college, at least, you right. know, I'm a millennial, I'm 31. And we were all essentially told you got to go to college. Otherwise, you know, nothing's going to happen. You know, obviously not the case. You could be very successful without college, but that's what I grew up into. So that's when, um, I noticed I was very receptive to information because I was looking for it. And my brother, my older brother, four years older than me, he enlisted in the Marine Corps. And we grew up in that kind of family. Like both of our grandparents were in World War II. And we just kind of had that feeling, I guess you could say. And for me, I was going to follow in his footsteps. I thought it looked awesome. That's what I wanted to go do, be a Marine. And after going to um, a couple, he was in junior ROTC in high school. So I went to a couple of the events that he did. And I was like, oh, so you can kind of like practice, you know, before you go. I was like, this seems like good. So I started doing that. Long story short, a mentor there, he's the one that got me to even consider applying for college via a Marine Corps scholarship. And I was fortunate enough to to earn that. So that was a full ride through college. And then I entered into the Marine Corps as an officer, slightly different route, slightly different skill set. And I think if it weren't for like different mentors in my life, providing information, helping me connect those dots, I would have been on a completely different trajectory. So I am just immensely grateful for people that take the time to share information because I think it's so powerful. Absolutely. I can definitely agree with you with that because mentors, even though they're, they're, they're teaching you, you don't really realize they're doing it. They do it in such a way that it's, it's more of a guide. It's not, it's not the harsh, you have to do this or you have to do to do that. Uh, That was my experience as what mentors. And it sounds like you have the same exact way. And the people that do take the time out of their busy schedules to help someone is, um, it's far and few in between nowadays. It unfortunately is. I, I really believe that we live in a vastly, and this isn't to sound all doom and gloom or anything. Like oh, I no, still no, think no. like, you know, life is pretty good, but I do think we live in an increasingly take society. Everybody's yes. looking for how does that benefit me? What can I take from that for me? And it's a bummer because I really do believe in community. I believe in teams um, I recently read a book called Tribe that talks about some of those concepts, just about our, it's not even, you know, inclination, it's a natural inclination, but it's like our duty to contribute to broader society, to not only focus on my family that I can touch, but to be genuinely concerned about the rest of the people out there that are in the same place and I, as I am trying to do similar things. And I, I take that commitment kind of, or I, I take that responsibility seriously. I'm, I'm committed to trying and doing my best, you know, to contribute along uh, where I can add value at least. Oh, excellent. Excellent. That brings a, a point back to even before our times are like you were saying, our, our grandfathers and whatnot, they did that and they had, uh, it was a way different world. Don't get me wrong, but towards today, this is a, a definite mutation of what 
happened back then is John F. Kennedy said the same thing, you know, that, you know, I'm not going to get political or anything about this, but his speech actually provoked that of helping others. And that generation did. And then somewhere in between there and here, it kind of got, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm tired of giving. Now it's time to start taking. Yeah. It's, that is like just a fascinating dialogue to go down and explore because I, I personally think a lot of it has to do with, you know, these, because I can, and I'm holding up my phone for anybody listening. I just realized some people might be like, <laughs> yeah, we're on the radio, but, about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, I think our ability to remain so interconnected with our close circle at all times, essentially gets rid of any sort of need for us to create connections with strangers, with neighbors. Like, you know, a thing that I used to do as a kid is, you know, even though our general area wasn't super awesome, if it snowed, I would go shovel my neighbor's stairs because that's what you do. I didn't ask for money. I didn't want money. It's I'm supposed to go do that for my neighbors. And now it's like I, I went and knocked on one of my neighbor's doors that moved in around me in San Diego. And they literally were just like, why are you here? And I was just exactly. like, oh, you know, hi, I'm your neighbor. I'm just coming to say hello. And that was like crazy to them that a neighbor would come say hi. So yeah, I think it's just a fascinating change in the way that we value interactions and really prioritize them differently. So hopefully there's still hope out there. I think there is because there's plenty of good people, but um, I think it's just a mindset shift that's occurred. Oh, absolutely. Now back to mind shifts and the good people during your service, uh, I'm sure you got the tour around the world, wherever you were stationed and whatnot. Can you tell us about some of the interactions and people that you've you've learned from and what what you've actually learned to help you grow from where you started from to where you where you were and where it actually led you to? It's the the military and obviously I can speak specifically to the Marine Corps, um, but I would argue the military in general is a steel sharpens steel world. And we are not um, super concerned about these soft, squishy feelings of life, not to say that they don't have a place, but we are most concerned with a stoic approach to really difficult problem sets. And one of the things you learn early on as a Marine officer is a lot of the people that you are in charge of, they have families, they have wives, they have kids, they have parents. And you have the distinct displeasure of potentially sending them to their death. And that's something that you kind of, that's like just one of the very first thresholds you come across as you're having these philosophical conversations about thought process. The most beautiful thing about that environment though, is you are taught to learn. You are taught to learn from literally everybody. Some of the most powerful life lessons I've come across were from enlisted people that are incredibly smart, that just wanted to help me be a better leader. And they would have great input for me. So the people around the the military, it's just, it's one of my favorite environments. It's why I'm still in the reserves now, because I know especially, you know, for the last decade or so, there's been a lot of more conversation about um, racial tensions and all different kinds of, you know, different social problems. And in the, in the Marine Corps, not to say that there's never any existence of those, 
but I've never been anywhere in the Marine Corps and not have had a smattering of everybody from all different races, creeds, religions, sexual orientations, all of it was everywhere. And none of us cared. Literally none of us cared. We all did the same stuff together. We were all worried about accomplishing a mission. And I think being in that kind of environment was so refreshing because a lot of what I see in the civilian world is divisive. It's what separates me from them. Why are they better than me? Or why am I better than them? And why do they have what I don't and vice versa? It's like, it's kind of awful. But the Marine Corps, it's actually really convenient because you all just don't have a lot. And you're like, well, okay, none of us have a lot. Let's <laughs> figure out how to get the mission done with not a whole lot. And that is a refreshing place to be because you learn quickly. Life isn't fair. Your resources aren't always fair. What are you going to do? You could sit there and lament about it, which... On fact, it doesn't do anything to change it, or you can accept the circumstances for what they are and then get the job done anyways. And I love that environment. So I have gone through just tremendous strides in evolution of self because of the environment that the military cultivates. So yeah, huge, huge fan. And I think that there's a lot um, you know, that people can take away from their time in the military. Oh, excellent. How many years do you have in the service in the, in the Marines? Yeah. So I was active duty active. for, yeah, I was active duty for a little over six years. Okay. And, and so that got me through essentially three different jobs. And then after that, I rolled over into the reserves in 2018, 2019, 2019 is when okay. I rolled over to the reserves. So I've been in the reserves for a few years now. Okay. Now you talked about your jobs, which you get pay your pay rate changes with, with your jobs and you know your rank and and uh your hours and whatnot now when you were in, in the military when you're doing this um you were single uh am i correct on that yeah okay yeah, okay uh and when you did this when you noticed the difference in pay and the difference um in your job and whatnot did you th ever think about at that point to start investing um, by that, I was already investing. I'm one of those oh, weird were? people okay. that that mentor that I met in junior ROTC in junior high school. I was in ninth grade. He's the one that he, I started investing when I was in ninth grade. So oh, wow. by that point in time, I had already been trading for, you know, eight years, essentially close to that. So I kept trading all through all of my military training, through deployments, through, through all of that. Um, I started off with just buy and hold. I did that for about eight months mm -hmm. and, and I immediately pivoted to derivatives and I essentially have been trading derivatives for close to, you know, 15 and a half, almost 16 years now. So it's been a huge part of my life is, is trading. So yeah, definitely thought about it. Uh, very active at it at that point. Okay. Wow. I wasn't expecting that at all. Cause, um, <laughs> I know quite a few of my military friends, um, did not think about that because they never knew what tomorrow brought. Exactly. And that's yep. why they, they lived the life that they lived through that and then they got out, but it seems like your path was different and you had mentors that actually help, you know, focus that and yes. have it, have it towards, uh, um, actually exiting the military. It wasn't necessarily built towards ex exiting. It was more just planning, right? Like the, the mentor that got me started with investing. And then I, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole. His whole position was just, and it's and it's funny because he's pretty well off at this point. He was a retired Air Force colonel. Then he had a teacher's pension. So he, you know what I mean? Like he's 
fine. And he has properties that he's accumulated from buying different houses at different places he was stationed. So he's pretty wealthy. But for him, and this is one of the things he taught me early because I grew up in a very fiscally constrained environment, very fiscally constrained. And I always vied over money. I wanted money because I didn't have it. And I thought that money would solve everything. You okay. know, there would be no more fighting. There would be no more anything because, you know, we're not worried about this thing that we're always concerned about. But really, he just taught me that money creates freedom for you to continue to do whatever you want. He's definitely not in the camp of you know, create large, just pools of gold coins like Scrooge McDuck and swim in them and, you know, just do nothing for the rest of your life. Like okay. he always still imparted that idea of a societal contract that you still need to provide value to the society that you're a part of. But the cool part is, is that once you have that financial freedom, you can do it in ways that align most closely with who you are. And for me, like, that was always the game plan is I had a mom to take care of because most of her jobs were contract jobs. She didn't, okay. she doesn't have 401k. She doesn't have a bunch of savings built up and that, that was what it was. So I needed to make sure I was in a position to take care of her, but then also to continue, you know, growing my lifestyle as I wanted. So that is really where investing always fit into my life's perspective. It definitely wasn't um, geared towards going in or staying in or getting out. I really didn't know. I didn't know until the last year whether or not I was going to continue on or not. And the there's a lot of things that I love, love about the Marine Corps. But there's also, like any other job, there are aspects that I wasn't a huge fan of and had a difficulty um, aligning myself with. So I chose the path that I felt was right for the Marines, because I feel like as a leader, you need to be 100% committed to them and to the mission and the way that we're approaching the mission, at least as close as you can identify to that. It's not always going to be perfect, but there were just some things that I wasn't a huge fan of. I had a hard time reconciling. So I decided the reserves was the right place for me and take a step back. And then also the thing is being an officer, like most of us join to be with the Marines, to be with the men, to be out doing what Marines do. But the longer you stay in, the longer you get promoted, the further and further and further away you get from that. You know, my first job, I had 40 people that worked for me and I had direct interactions with all of them. I knew about them. I knew their families. That was important to me. And I used to go to the field with them and go train with them. And then you know, over time, you just zoom out a little further, a little further. And my last job, I was essentially worried about how to move 900 people. At that point, I'm lucky if I know the people that are in the same office as me, let alone all of these people. So I wasn't super stoked on that, to be honest. If I could have stayed a platoon commander my whole life or maybe a company commander, I like that role a lot. Um, I would have stayed there. But, uh, you know, it's not the not the way the military works. So it was time for a change for me. Okay. Well, cha change is good. And you brought up a good point because you brought up a point of, uh, how we, how you change the, of thinking about money, hmm. you know, you, instead of, you know, having the piles of it here, piles of it there. And you always thought that the more was better, but is it, my feeling is when I I'm approached with this topic is that money's used as a tool. It, it's used to get what you need or get what you want or invest in what you want to get and save time by doing it. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think money is finance is a tool to buy back your time first and foremost, right. in my opinion. 
And then beyond that, it's a tool that enables uh, whatever lifestyle you want. Some people really enjoy material things and whatever floats your boat floats your boat. So if you enjoy a very high spend lifestyle, you need more money to sustain that lifestyle. If I've always been a kind of a practitioner of stoicism, especially from my evolution in the military, and through that, there's a there's a threshold where, yeah, like there are some toys. I, I have a Corvette that I built. I love cars. I have a truck that I really, really like. I have a you know Ford Raptor. I always have motorcycles. So like there are material things that I do enjoy. But once I got to the material things that I wanted, the finances beyond that become more just opportunity um, coins, essentially, because okay. there's now... I do a lot of angel investing and that's a really fun space to be in. And it's extremely high risk. A lot of the companies have issues at some point or another, and there might be a liquidity problem where you can't get your money out. But the way that I view money is it's freedom. My wife and I, at this point, I'm, I'm married now. We literally never fight about money ever because it's not a problem. We're fine. Okay. And that was a big difference from when I was a kid. When I was a kid, if I wanted to get a piece of candy from a store while we were grocery shopping, I it wasn't even like, oh no, go, go put that back. I was like scolded for it. Right. And I come to learn the reason why I was scolded for it is because my mom felt so bad about not being able to get the candy bar that she didn't want me to ask because she felt terrible not being able to say yes. You know, so there's just this whole yeah. like psychological circle that's tied in all that. So yeah, I think money fits different roles for different people. And I do think there's actually a really important exercise to go through at some point in everybody's life to figure out like what role does money play in your life? Because some people do just want to accumulate. They want to have billions of dollars mm -hmm. and create a dynasty to pass down to their family. Sure. If that's, that's what you want, that's, that's, that's Yeah, that's what you want. But I found, at least for me, I went through a, a really weird time where I started getting kind of everything that I was thinking I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, now what? Like, <laughs> now, <laughs> what's the, now what's the point? And that was actually really scary for me because... I was on like such a dedicated track for so much of my life. When I was in junior high school, it was ROTC to go to the Marine Corps, to go to college and do ROTC in college, to go be a Marine. Like it was just this very clear regimented path that I really wanted. So I was totally dedicated to it. But I got to a point where I looked left, looked right. And I was like, now what? Now what is the point of all this? Because I didn't have the foresight to think about that because I never thought I was going to get there. And that actually led to like a pretty dark time for me where I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing or why I was here or what I was about. Um, yeah. So money's a, money's a tricky thing. Now that mindset, did that happen as you were getting closer to getting out of the Marines because you knew that time was over because of such a regiment you had that it was That's actually that transitioning back out? That's a big part of it. It's a really big part of it because when I was on active duty, my purpose in life was clear. My purpose in life was myopic. My purpose in life was the Marines, the mission and accomplishing that mission, trying to um, take care of the Marines as best as I humanly could. 
And you're absolutely right. As soon as I transitioned to the reserves, completely different style of working, different responsibilities. You have to go, you know, figure out how you're going to make money outside of that. And you're 100% right. That was a big, big part of that, you know, like, whoa, now what? And then tied to that, again, at this point, I'd been investing for over a decade and I had done well. I got into real estate along the way and had done well there. So, I mean, I, I became a millionaire when I was 29. I'm 31 now. And I never thought that that was gonna happen. So then I was like, I don't have the myopic purpose of the Marine Corps. I now have more financial freedom than I really conceived of having. I was lost. I literally was lost. It was bizarre. It was the highest class problem. We say that a lot, high class problem. Like, what are you complaining (laughs) about? You know what I mean? Like, shut up. You're fine. But I really was lost as a human being. Now, who did you, did you reach out? Did you by chance reach out to your mentors when, when this was going on in your, in your mind? And, uh, get you know the transition that you know would you even consider that fear of the unknown or what not what to do of actually possibly making a mistake because in the military i i understand from uh, from talking to friends and and what i've seen with the military is they don't like mistakes they like everything to be perfect and they like it to go to be uh as planned as the mission is but as a as a marine you got to be adaptable so what kind of skills did you use t- to determine how to get through that time? It's a great question. At, at first, I didn't even know what was going on. I just thought I was depressed. Like I, I didn't know what it was because it was so foreign to me to experience that. And then as I started like realizing as I'm waking up each day, I'm like, what, what's the goal today? Like, what am I doing today? And why does this matter? And as I started thinking about it more, I did consider reaching out to specifically the, the first mentor that I mentioned. Um, but I was, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to at first because I was just like, I'm successful. So what, what, why am I going to reach out to somebody and complain about it? It didn't make sense to me. And then I started um, really getting into stoicism. I, I've just dug into every bit of stoicism because I identify with a lot of the thought process. And that started to help me um, get pieces in place to at least have an, an intelligent conversation about what I was feeling, why I thought I was feeling, and then have some ideas on how to circumnavigate it. And I did go to the mentor to, to talk to him about it and say, hey, you know, I, for the past couple months, I've been feeling this kind of way. Um, you know, this is what I think is going on. So, you know, what do you think I should do here? Does this sound right to you? And their input was super, super useful and just helping me create an actionable game plan, just kind of get back on the rails. Like I was never like super depressed or anything like that. None of it was ever that bad, but I did just wake up some days and I'm thinking like, why, like, what, what am I supposed to do today that adds value? And what a weird, yeah, what a weird experience to go through, especially when you grow up so much of your life, just trying to figure out how do we keep the lights on? Where does food come from this week? And as you climb up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, if you're not prepared for some of the different thought process that go with that, it can be a bit jarring. It certainly was for me. Okay. Yeah. And especially since when you're in, the, as you were a Marine and whatnot, that was all planned for you because you had other things to, to worry about 
instead of worry about those needs instead of coming out, which is, you know, a lot, I can probably think a lot of people are thinking about now as they're getting ready to depart the military. It, uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm not going to guess or anything, but I'm pretty sure that this has happened in all forms, all branches of the military, not just Marines. Of course. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, a, I think it's a prevalent issue is, you know, finding purpose. It's a really big deal. Okay. Well, uh, Eric, we're already halfway through the show. You know, we got through a lot of great content. We went through, you know, how you went from military or actually started investing in ninth grade because you had mentors to tell you that, because we all know that's not taught in school at all. It's it exactly your, the path you took was, uh, either military or college right after high school and, and work or work, you know, that's, that's the three options that we, that are mainly out there instead of investing in yourself or, or what, what not out there, you know, you, you had a great career in the military. You've, you've grown, you know, you've adapted. And, uh, after actually talking about, we're actually getting into a lot of the parts where I want to get into in the second part of the set of the show is, uh, as you're getting your mind set, as you've seen from the transition from right before to right about now was a perfect stopping point for us to actually start transforming into civilian life. So everybody yep. out there, this is uh, I have Eric Smolinski with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to, exp- you know, go further into detail with this of how to getting your mindset back into civilian life and performing the day to days that, where our, you know, you took for granted while, be, while being in the military. So we'll be right Sweet. back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. 
If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Making More Money For You show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Today, we have a very special topic that we're talking about military personnel transitioning from the mindset and investing in and money well-being financial well-being and back into the civilian life and you know the first part of the show we talked with our guest eric smolinski and we've heard his background from what made him decide to go into the military to some of the things that he's done through the military and right now we're actually going to tra- start getting into the transition back into civilian life. I would like to welcome back uh, my whole, my guest, Eric. Eric, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm enjoying the conversation. Super fun to talk about. So looking forward to the rest. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, the the content that we're getting out here is from any walks of life. It doesn't matter if it's the Marines or the Navy or the Army or Coast Guard, any, any form of military it's just that your expertise is actually transitioning from the marines out (laughs) which you know it's great uh because we have first-hand account of what you actually went through to get to where you're at right now which is actually your millionaire right now and that's you know that's at by 30 no less and people are considering a lot of people we were talking about during the break is trying to keep the lights on you know a lot of people are even as they're in the military sending help home to to help pay those bills and whatnot but so can you tell a little you know a little a uh, little bit about your transition uh just a little recap how you got from the mindset that without a purpose to actually transforming into uh not so much jump back into the into the pool out here but more or less gradually step back in what things actually helped you get to where you get to that point uh, I mean, the biggest help for me was the veteran network. I mean, hands down, that's one of the coolest things is the veteran network is, it's no joke. And the coolest part about it is there are so many veterans that are willing to help other veterans. And that's what I did. I applied to different programs. They're all free for military that are transitioning. Things like American Corporate Partnership, ACP things like Veterati, another, and I'm now a mentor on both of those because I was mentored on both of those. And I owe that back because somebody took time to help me just like the rest of this. And that's what so many veterans do is we volunteer to help other people figure it out because it is a huge change. Everything from the way that we talk to how businesses even work, it's all different. So I think, you know, I'm a compulsive planner. This is how I got into investing when I was in high school. No other kids doing that. Not to say none other, but very few. You know, most of them are, you know, trying to play games and do whatever. And I still did that. But I was... I'm a planner. I'm an obsessive planner. And my transition was honestly really smooth because I'm an obsessive planner. So a year before I even decided to get out, I started pretending like I might. And that was super important because I didn't come up to this timeline of, oh crap, you know, my time in the Marine Corps is done. I don't have another plan right now. I have to scramble to figure this out. That didn't happen to me. 
while I was on terminal leave, I started my first civilian job because I had it all lined up already. So I think, you know, that that was like one of the biggest things is just moving the timeline back. And what I find is, you know, people, when they found out that I was starting these, you know, mentorship programs and stuff, they're like, oh, you're getting out, you're getting out. And I literally would tell them like, I don't know. I really don't know if I am. Sooner or later, everybody gets out. So I don't, I'm not wasting time here. This is still a good, efficient use of my life force. But what I don't want to do is be stuck with whatever is available to me at that snapshot in time. So by moving the timeline out, I give myself a lot of space to receive information, to assess what I'm interested in, like all those kinds of things. So the biggest supporting function in all that though is the veteran network. It is absolutely fantastic for any veterans that are transitioning. I, you know, shared those two veterati ACP. There's a million of them out there. So there's onward to opportunity. There's vets to PM, like there's tons of them. And I think any, any sort of transition program, you know, that your individual service puts on, will connect you with a lot of those resources and then just get on LinkedIn because the veteran network on LinkedIn is huge. And just, ask for help because that's one of the coolest things is when I was doing informational interviews, which I think is super important, which is just talking to people at places you think you might be interested, even loosely in exploring to learn about it. One, you're creating a hard contact there to leverage during the hiring process. If you go that route and two, you're seeing if you actually do like it or not, but the veteran network will almost always answer those messages. If I get a message on LinkedIn or somewhere else from another veteran, even if it's incredibly inconvenient, I will take that call. I was just in Curacao last month and via Veterati, uh, a veteran essentially booked one of my slots while I was in Curacao. I didn't move that slot. I won't move that slot. I made sure I was available while I was on vacation to talk to this veteran because it's that important to me. And a lot of veterans treat it with that same respect. So that is just a huge tool that most active duty military don't really fully appreciate just yet because they don't understand how it works on the on the other side. But it's important to know that resource is there because sooner or later they will come to appreciate the value of the resource. Oh, excellent. That's that's a lot. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, those I'm glad that there's actually programs out there that are helping for this. Yeah. And you brought up a, another great point is I would love to hear how you and uh, how you actually uh, cir circumnavigated this was how did you deal with the time frame with the time gap that you were in the mil before you were in the military to the present day that you got out you know there's that had to be culture shock for you especially what was going on before then and you know after while you're in the military you're not really too uh, accessible to outside the outside world. So how can you tell how you actually, uh, dealt with that? Yeah, it, it is a big difference. And especially the way just that, you know, the civilian world communicates the way that they, they operate. Um, and I think a lot of it came down to, again, the, the mentorship. So I reached out to those different programs and I literally, I go with open arms. I say like, Hey, I'm making this big jump. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? And it, 
a good mentor will always start with, sure, you know, would do you have any idea what you want to do? And they just start a conversation. And over time, I really prioritize those informational interviews because it also taught me how to talk to these people. But the cool part is you're talking to a veteran at first, at least. And what that does is it gives you some common ground and it gives you quite a bit of leeway in the way that you speak, in the way that you convey information. Like as I'm going, I'm literally doing it today. I have a, 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 veteran. He's a Marine veteran here in San Diego. He's transitioning out and he sent me his resume and he said like, Hey, you know, I think I demilitarized this and I'm just hoping, you know, that you can give me some final pointers and I'll get out the door. And I looked at it and I was just like, bro, it's not demilitarized. Like this is still very centered to the military. If I put this in front of a civilian, they won't be able to connect the dots. Like people who are prior military that go into the civilian world. When he says that he's a, um, you know, FSO or fi uh, fire support officer, different roles that he had in artillery. I know what artillery is and I know what it does and I know how we employ it. So I understand what he's saying to me when he says he's a fires officer. I put that in front of a civilian. They, they literally have no idea. He could be a firefighter, you know, like <laughs> it, 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 it all right. doesn't mean anything. So I, I think the, again, just the veteran network there was very helpful for me in managing that, that transition. And I also think, you know, the transition is, it's noteworthy, but it's nothing huge. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. these people, even though you spend time in the military, like you still go to the grocery store. You know what I mean? It's not like we're like different human beings. We just have different thought process and different way to approach our day-to-day -day jobs. But, you know, that's one of the biggest things the military teaches you is to be flexible, be adaptable. In the Marine Corps, we say Semper Gumby, you know, the old <laughs> cartoon with Gumby that you just... Yeah. It's a claymation thing. It's that's the idea. Like always flexible, figure it out. So I think the veteran network there again came in to save the day because they're the ones that taught me how to uh, at least moderately effectively communicate with just a different thought style and then to slowly transition over to that. Okay. All right. Well, that that's water. That's wow. Okay. That's a lot of information there. So some people are going to have to go back and listen to that a couple times. Uh, now, when you're in the military, how are you, and you were still trading? How yep. how did you schedule time to actually trade? Um, and how so did go, you do it? So going back to that efficiency thing, I'm obsessed with efficiency. My my wife makes fun of me all the time because everything's in a certain spot, and she always says, "You know, would you call it a system?" And I would say, yes, it is a system because it's an efficient system and I'm optimizing. So in the military, it was the same exact thing. Luckily, um, when you start learning to trade derivatives, especially on the retail side, like most of us, it's a very steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. But once you understand some of it and you have some time in the market under your belt, the learning curve isn't really, it's still there. Like I'm always learning. I'm still learning today. I run a YouTube channel, you know, talking about investing and how much I'm learning still because it's, right. it is a perpetual cycle. However, I had enough at that point to operationalize what I was doing. I had a known good. So what I did was take advantage of micro time in the evenings when the market was closed, because during the day I didn't have access to the markets. So in the evening, I would do all my research. I would you know, take my literally hour drive back from work. I would listen to podcasts along the way, 
gain more information about what happened in the market that day, what's coming up this week, so on and so forth. Go home, get on the computer, look up, pull up the platform, and just start doing my homework to figure out, okay, you know, how do I want to do this? Always against the time frame, because sometimes I might be home for three weeks. Sometimes I might be leaving that Friday for something and be gone for two weeks. And that's actually the really cool thing with options and derivatives in general is they're super flexible. So I would just trade different strategies that fit whatever my disposition was at that time against the time frame available to me. And I normally would place the trades either as I was driving in in the morning when you get to the gate, it's normally a pretty long wait. So I would either place trades at the gate or I would place trades um, before I left the house, depending on what time I was leaving the house. But most days I was leaving around you know 5.30. So the market opens at least Pacific time, 6.30. So as I was getting essentially to work, um, I would throw the trades on for whatever that research I did the night before. If I needed to rest any orders like stop losses, I would put them in. Not a huge fan of them, but necessary evil in a scenario like this. I would rest the stop orders and then just go to whatever I was doing for the day. So it's just getting really creative with time is what it came down to. Okay. After you got done with the stocks and options and derivatives, what made you decide to to invest a real tr- real tree realty real estate How is it? real estate yes real. yeah or realty i think realty is fine yeah okay they, they both check out um <laughs> the the same mentor the same guy mentor? that got me investing because funny enough he asked me if i invested when i was you know a kid and i told him no i don't know what that is and he doesn't even really invest himself he has some like buy and hold stuff but he doesn't like trade like okay. like i got into but um, he was always into real estate. So because of his advice, as soon as I found my first duty station, I bought my first house. And then I started renting that house, bought another house and essentially just duplicated, you know, p- parts of his model before I spread out into other, you know, kinds of real estate, commercial real estate, um, partnerships, stuff like that. But it, it again was him him planting an idea, sharing his experience, the outcome of his experience, which I could see. And it made me respect it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that then. Now, the results you were seeing, how important were the results you were seeing with his investments that actually helped you decide to do it? You know, in in terms of his investments, not, not in the markets, but in real estate, right? Yeah, in real estate, it was profound because you know when I was in high school, um, he would he knew that I, I I did anything for money. I did stuff in the neighborhood, like I would bring people their groceries, I, anything for a few bucks. Sold Christmas trees, whatever it is. I I split wood. That was actually one of my favorite jobs. I love that job, um, but. I, I would do just about anything for money and it's, you know, because we needed it. So he saw that and every once in a while he'd say, Hey, you know, I need to like hang this awning at my house or whatever. Do you want to come over and help me? And like, I, I saw his house and based on like what I know now, it's still an absolutely gorgeous house. But for me coming from like, as a kid, our bathroom had a hole in the floor in the subfloor, and like, you could see into the basement. Like that's what I was okay. used to. And, you know, we didn't have the money to fix it. So my mom, again, like feeling awful, she just covered it with a rug so that you didn't see it. Um, but, you know, I go over to his house and I'm like, 
oh my God, like, what is this? There's like two, you know, two, two car garages. It was just, I saw something that I never saw, never saw before. Had no idea that that existed. So seeing that in and of itself was like pretty, pretty clear to me. And I mean, he had a lot of the other lifestyle, like he had a new car. He was always helping all the kids at school. So seeing all of that, it just helped me connect the dots, right? Because a lot of what you'll see people talk about is hypothetical, it's aspirational, but it's not tangible. It's not here. It's not now. So having that um, to, to look at was a huge motivating factor for me. Okay. You, you saw your end and now you were just figuring out your path to get to it. Exactly. That's 100% it. I started to realize that um, based on the information that he shared with me, that there was a path to find financial freedom is what it came down to. And the information was nothing revolutionary. It was essentially investing, invest in the, invest in the stock market. I took that to an extreme by trading, um, but I'm glad I did. That is what really helped me accelerate my returns. Okay. But then getting into real estate, so starting to create income streams from different asset classes is really useful. And none of that is, you know, you find that in four seconds on Google, but the information was so powerful to me because if you gave me a computer at that point in time, I wouldn't have known what to Google. Right. <clears throat> right. It actually opened your mind up because you, like you were saying before, you don't know with what you don't know and you have no idea what to look for. Exactly. You wouldn't even know if you were looking for anything that was missing out of it. So which that actually brings us to one of your other items that you, that you actually do is angel investing. Mm-hmm. So what does that entail? Is that with startups? Is that with other companies yeah. or? Yeah, exactly. So there's lots of different ways you can get into angel investing. Syndicates are a big thing now, which is kind of like, um, it's like different startup websites like Hive and, you know, different kind of ways that you could crowdsource investments for small companies. But that's really all angel investing is. And the cool part about it is there's different things different people can bring to the table. Sometimes it's just finances. Sometimes it's finances and network connections. Sometimes it's finance and business consulting. So there's different ways that relationships and agreements are built between, you know, an angel investor and whatever the company is. But that's all it is. I love that stuff because I always wish that I was like, the 10 pound brain that could come up with a really cool business idea and start a business. I really would love to do that at some point, but I am blessed with a very thick skull, which is good for some (laughs) things, but not so good on the really pivotal transformational idea space. So it's been a way for me to participate and support that indirectly. Now I will say angel investing is probably the worst return on my time because I tend to be really involved and it's because I want to, but I can definitely make more money in real estate or the stock market. So part of it is just a passion project because I do think it's so cool to work with people on getting their idea off the ground. Because again, like I wish I had the idea. It hasn't come to me yet. So I am so stoked to help other people get their ideas off the ground because it's so fun. It's a really, really cool Uh, space to be involved. So it's not like, you know, I'm not like shark tank level because even those deals, when you think about it, you don't need that much money to to do those. The main thing that shark tanks offer are things like uh, 
capacity to scale and resources because you know a lot of the deals on shark tank are under you know 500k so you could you know pretty reasonably be an angel investor in a lot of even already successful companies and you get to be really picky in terms of what stuff you're interested in like i don't do anything with like fashion industry or anything like that just because i it's not for me i don't really care to talk about it it's not of interest but if there's something in technology if there's something in lifestyle like i'm interested in a lot of those things okay uh, yeah one that i actually did some investing with is with kevin smith's um production company his movie company out there yeah and that that's amazing you know he took the strings out of hollywood and he's actually making the movies he wants to make so awesome. that's ridiculous yeah that's super fun so Eric, I'm just being told, man, we're we're getting close to the end of the show already. Yes, sir. It's been it's been almost pretty much an hour already. You know, it's I'm very thankful for your time and your knowledge and uh, your story, especially from going from a night, you know, New York, a little a kid in New York that didn't know what he wanted to go into the military to have a great mentors to actually going into the the Marines starting your investing, doing your investing while making money, um, save, um, protecting our country, and then even having, you know, an exit plan, you know, how important was the exit plan to you? Huge. Huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. It's, it was the reason why I didn't skip a beat. You know, I, okay. I, I started my civilian career while I was on terminal leave in the Marine Corps. So technically I was still getting paid by the Marine Corps and I was already working for the civilian job. That's amazing. And Eric, if, in case anybody wants to, to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, do you have so, any books or anything? Or Nope. I, I have no books. I don't sell anything. Um, okay. So I'm on, I'm on Twitter at ES Invest. I talk about investing, finance, stuff like that there. And then I'm on YouTube also at ES Invest, which is, that's more trading specific because that is kind of my passion. So Okay. Um, people can find me there. And then I also have a website, esinvest.com, which really is just there because I'm supposed to have a website, but <laughs> I'm mostly on Twitter and YouTube. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I hate to say it, but we got to wrap this show up today. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, everybody, uh, this was Eric Smolinski. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, next week, I have another show about uh, actually investing in something real estate that you may be oh, interested cool. in. I actually have Lane Kaukawa from Hawaii coming on about investing in multi-dwelling units, uh, oh, commercial cool. real estate. So he was, he's actually going to be on the show next week. Uh, we're going to actually see if it's the right time and how to actually get started investing in that. So might pique your interest. Uh, if you can't catch it live, catch it on the uh, the rebroadcast. But everybody, uh, take the time out. Uh, of your day to actually figure out what you want to do for the day, have your purpose in mind, have, and have a productive day. And to all the military men and women out there, thank you every mu very much for your service. Uh, this is Magnus Carter and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to making more money for you with Magnus Carter on the voice America business channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.